Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you, dear listeners. Welcome back to Floaters. Or welcome for the first time to Floaters. Lovely to have you here. Nice to meet you. My name's Fia. What's your name? What's your name? No, don't, don't tell me, don't tell me. Let me guess, let me guess. What a strange thing to say, Sophia. Anyway, just in case, let me get you up to speed then. So uh, the premise of this podcast is talking to people from nowhere and having a good old chat. Not sure where the natter will take us, but I've recorded it and I've put it online for you to hear. So there we are. And that brings us to right now. I'm recording on December 1st, and I don't mind telling you, I'm quite excited about Christmas. Yes, I am. I've decided I'm going to spoil my family absolutely rotten because I've had a lot of time, spare time over lockdown to think about presents, and I'm going all out. It's not going to be a last minute jobby from me. Oh, no, no, no. And uh, I'm feeling all the Christmas chills. It's just Christmas music all the time on the radio, and I'm so excited, but I bet... Sod's law, of course, is that when Christmas swings round, I won't want to hear another Christmas song ever again. But good news, Jamie Callum, guys, has a Christmas album out. I mean, diehard Jamie Callum fan here. I know, I know what you're thinking, but you've got to listen to this. It's all new original Christmas music as well. So that's quite exciting, right? You don't have to listen to Michael Bubbles anymore. I mean, you can do lovely voice, but, you know, we've got some new songs coming in this year. So I can't wait. I'm going to buy the album, over listen to it and listen to it some more. Anyone who has ever lived with me will tell you that when I love a song, I will play it to death. I will play it so much that you get sick of it and then I get sick of it. And then you won't hear it again for like two years. And then I'll the same thing will happen again. It's a perfect cycle. Now, I was just as giddy, if not more so speaking to my guest today. Machu Lovelace, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Machu and I are friends. <laughs> I really had to think about that for some reason, but we are friends. <laughs> we met at university doing our undergraduate degree and uh, his life has taken him all the way over to Shanghai, which is, and he's been there now for four years. And, uh, I was so excited. You'll hear it. I keep interrupting him throughout, probably also because there was a bit of a lag in the in the connection. Um, and when Mathieu speaks, it's considered, it's calm, there is intention. And that is really nice because it, it balances out my babbling. So just when you think, oh, Sophia, I can't take any more of the babbling, babbling. Hold on. Mathieu Chu is coming. So, um... Without further ado, please welcome to the stage or to the microphone, Mathieu Lovelace. I am teaching drama and English in this primary school. Oh, nice. How's it going? Yeah, it's going great. Um, I'm, so, I mean, life at school is, you know, quite packed and... Uh, um, a few teachers had to leave, so that meant that um, I'm now head teacher of the school, <laughs> uh, which is kind of uh, a bit mental. Uh, <laughs> but I'm trying to, you know, uh, balance it all. And also, uh, I'm really involved in the improv scene here. Um, so I'm not sure if you know, but it's, um, it's pretty controlled in terms of uh, theatre around here. I can imagine. Uh, <laughs> you can imagine, right? Um, 
uh, and over the last few years, it's been really hard to put on plays and um, get the rights to 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 produce something over here. Um, usually, they're like big shows that come from you know Broadway or, or the West End. They have no issues, but um, smaller scale um, plays, they yeah, they don't get the green light very often. But improv is one of the the, the few things that is for some obscure reason still allowed and so we're trying to we're, we're playing with this uh um breach in the system if you want okay. uh, <laughs> does that make sense um, yeah yeah no okay. that's um that's that i'm trying to say it without saying it you know what i mean <laughs> i don't want to get in trouble <laughs> i got you i got you don't worry well that must make it quite interesting to have to like yeah. Okay. Let's not talk about that anymore because we might get in trouble. Um, but okay, let's just get this show on the road and see see sure. see where this this takes us. So um, yeah. So tell me, Machu, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in I want to say three three places. Uh, I grew up in Belgium in Brussels, uh, and then my parents trying to move down to the southwest of France uh, but because of the French my mum's a teacher and the French um, education uh, system works with different points like a point system and so uh, she didn't have enough points to get the position in the southwest of France so we got uh, we had to move to the uh, a place called Blois which is like two hours south of Paris three hours um, so right in the center, with like lots of castles around there. Um, and, uh, we stayed there for four years, I think. And then we moved down to, um, a place called Biarritz on the, on the coast. Uh, I believe you've been there. I you? have been to Biarritz. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I jumped in the sea when it was very, very cold. Probably shouldn't have been doing that, but, um, <laughs> really highlighted myself as a tourist probably. Oh, don't worry. We 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 always know who's who. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but that yeah, no, that's um, that's pretty much it. The the three different places um, where I grew up. But I was I was actually born in uh, French Brittany. Um, uh, my um, grandma on my mum's side is from there, and. Um, I was born there, but my parents lived in Italy because that's where they met initially. So I spent two years as a baby in it, in the northern part of Italy, and then my parents moved to Belgium, uh, and that's basically it. Okay. Um, so both uh, your parents and um, are they? Where are they from? My mum's from French Brittany. Mm. Um, has lived in France. Um, I'd say most of her life, and then did a few, spent a few years in Italy. My dad, my dad's uh, Welsh, and you know lived in Cardiff for a long time. Uh, lived in Liverpool for a long time uh, and London, and I think just decided to teach in Italy mm-hmm. um, for a while. So, how um, is it that you ended up in the UK then? For did you go to the UK for school as well as university, or was it university? No, I. I, I went to school in France. I, I did all of my um, school years in France. Okay. And 
just just did my um, undergrad at the same university as you, as, as you. Oh yes, LSBU represent. On the same same course, and uh, yeah, that that was about it. Okay. Uh, spent five years in London, and now I'm in Shanghai, which is you know quite a journey. Yeah, I mean, I can't even remember the, the what led you to make that leap, like that jump to Shanghai. Because for me, on my perspective, I think what I remember is it was like a just a split second sort of decision, like oh, I'm just going, I'm going to do my TEFL and I'm off. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, I initially wanted to go to South America. I had a um, Argentina, and then. My friend Claire called me on Skype and told me, "Hey, you know, there are good uh, good jobs going in in Shanghai in China. I know you haven't considered it yet, but maybe you could do six months here, and if you don't like it, you can leave." And I've been here for four years, so. <laughs> Gosh, time flies, yeah. eh? <laughs> yeah. And now you're head teacher, which is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. They they tend to um accelerate things here in terms of career like like <laughs> no but like, i know a lot of people who who are kind of the same and they they go i'm in this position at my age uh this wouldn't sit right in back in the west you know mm-hmm. it's like they really give you your chance to to get experience or uh, get promoted really easily here so yeah. well that's great news great news for you guys and like for progression there. I mean, I think, um, I wonder if, cause Maz is of course in, in Asia now, like she's in Vietnam and she's yes. having a great time as a teacher there. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, she was saying that like the profession of being a teacher as is, is actually, um, like it's, it's well paid and, and it's like a considered quite a, what's the right word? Like a high, like the status of a teacher is quite high compared yeah. to in the West. Oh yeah. I think where, you know, uh, <laughs> treated dif- differently, I think that is that is um that's the truth. Um, y- you know, it's a respectable position um, and and career choice. I'm not saying you know it's not in the West, but um, usually teachers are, are seen as uh, uh, <laughs> kind of lazy and uh, slacking, and and uh, you know well. Uh, a, a lot of um, the stereotypes that we have about about teachers uh, in in the West, yeah, um, not always perfect. Uh, whereas here in Asia, there's a there's a lot of respect um, where we're appreciated uh, far more. I don't I don't think we do a better job at all. Uh, it's just a different, uh, yeah, it's just different status. Yeah, you're right. Mm. So when you were growing up, like, um, did you, when someone asked you like where you were from, did you ever get that question in France at all? Or was it mainly in the UK uh, that people started asking you questions like that? Um, no, I think it's, it's mainly in the UK. I think um, British people like to place people on maps. Uh, whereas... I don't know. It's it's not something that French people tend to really really care about, you know. Um, there's also this thing with um, accents, you know. Um, there, I mean, there are different accents in in France as well, but it's not as pronounced, and you can really tell if someone, you know, lives 
uh, someone's from, uh, let's say, Newcastle or um, yeah, some other place uh, nearby as well, let's say uh, the difference between a, a Yorkshire accent and a, and, and, and a Geordie accent is, is noticeable, but, you know, the distance between like, the two places is not that far. Um, whereas in France, that would be unnoticeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, you know, British people have this tendency of, of asking, first of all, you know, where you're from, as opposed to what's your name. <laughs> and like, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny. But um, when people ask me that in, in the UK, I, I always said, you know, France, there was no sort of questioning about that. Because I, I mean, I sounded French more than I do now. So, yeah. Yeah. So did you... My English has improved, I like to think. <laughs> Your English has improved, did you say? Mm-hmm. I think, so. well, obviously, yeah, as, as it would. I mean, with, with anyone. I mean, how's well, it... I hope so. I'm, I'm flipping... <laughs> teaching the bloody language. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. No, your, your English is, of course, excellent. Of course, excellent. And, of course. Um, how's your... Um, how's your... Uh, uh, oh, what's the, how's your Mandarin? How's my Mandarin? Uh, good question. Um, it, it's, I'd say it's like conversational level, mm, like v- basic plus, I'd say. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm able to have a conversation with a taxi driver about life, about where I'm from, about what I like, about what, you know, uh, different, different things. Um, so when people come over and they have no understanding of Mandarin, uh, they'll always say something like, man, you're almost fluent. <laughs> and the truth is, I'm not, I'm absolutely not. But I'm just, I'm just used to hearing the same questions from taxi drivers. So I'm really good at answering them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, with There's anything, it, it always takes a lot of practice, doesn't it? And, um, and especially yeah, and I mean, it's, uh, Oh, sorry, carry on. Very, uh, it's a tricky language, not going to lie. It's as hard as Japanese, I'd say. Um, it's got different tones, the same, um, the same uh, uh, sounds, phonemes might mean different things, whether you pronounce them uh, differently with a different tone. And some, even, some, some might sound exactly the same, but they mean different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a very complex language. I like to think that I'm slowly getting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you are. I mean, I can't even imagine it's, it's especially with, because, um, you know, with French and English, like they are actually a little bit related. So there are things to sort of cross over. And mm-hmm. I suppose you grew up, did you grow up speaking both languages? Yeah. Uh, my dad always made a point of um, speaking English to me and my sisters so that we would have a, an advantage in, in, in life or, or, or at school. Um, or yeah, I mean, I mean, it's useful for different kinds of things. Uh, and I think I, I would have been very, um, very sad and, and, and angry at my dad if he hadn't, you know, mm-hmm. if he'd mm-hmm. just spoken to me and my sisters in French, then what a missed opportunity to grow up sort of bilingual. I was never really bilingual. But, um, um, you know, 
now now that I've spent a lot a lot of time in the UK now I, I like to think that I'm sort of there thanks oh, definitely. to yeah yeah those years you know spent speaking and and talking English to my dad and and hearing this this you know familiar accents mm. you know? <laughs> and that's uh, that's that's cool yeah but it was uh, it's always, it's, it's like it's funny when I explain to people what a dinner sounded like to my at my house, you know, it goes something like this. My mum would speak French to me. I'd speak English to my dad. My dad would speak English to my mum. My mum would reply in Fringlish. Uh, and I speak French to my sisters. Mm-hmm. And so it'd be like a jolly good mixture of the two languages. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think we've got something similar here where, because um, of course we've got like German and Spanish as well. So like, I mean, my mum doesn't speak so much German and um, around the house, but like there'll be certain things or like we'll speak like uh, Denglish, like a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit like a big old mix or like certain phrases in Spanish will pop up that we learned. Like when I was a kid, um, my, I had a, a friend round uh, living in the UK and my mum set, set up the stairs in German, dinner's ready. So I'm just like, okay. So I start walking away and my friend's like, wait, what's going on? Where are you going? And I was like, oh, oh yes. Yeah. This is oh, important. Yeah. We need to go downstairs. Yeah. I'm interested to know, though, are you quite connected then to um, like your Welsh family? Uh, no. So my dad doesn't really have any family that's alive in the, in the UK. Um, my grandma and my father's side died when I was about four, mm. I think. And she was kind of the the last um, left, sadly, because he had me when he, when he was uh, forty five, mm-hmm. so quite late, and uh, yeah, that that's all. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the first time I went to Wales, I was about I was a teenager, um, but I didn't feel I, like I didn't feel any strong connection with. Um, Wales that's not you know mm-hmm. I mean I say to people you know I'm not I'm not English I'm Welsh but uh, <laughs> and I'm not British you know <laughs> um, just just to uh, just to annoy the the, the, the British but um, especially in the six nations um, <laughs> but yeah uh, no no connections there sadly yeah I mean I I, um, I suppose yeah, it's interesting where your sort of um, yeah where your ties sort of lead you, and um, and whether you've got those connections or not. I mean, do you feel like you're? Do you feel okay? So let's say it's like a, a couple of years down the line. Could you see yourself moving back to the UK or somewhere else? Uh, potentially, yeah, potentially. But it's really hard to say. So once I've been in a place, it's really hard for me to, you know, conceptualize that I'm going to spend the rest of my days there. Um, especially like, you know, when, when I, when I have friends who are, um, buying houses, you know, having a family, settling down, uh, that for me just feels really, really far away. Like it's not for me yet, and I'm 28, and I I understand that some people at my age want to 
you know, put down the foundations for their future. Um, but I'm still not done um, exploring and seeing where life leads me. Mm. Have you got anywhere so, on your list that you want to, like anywhere you want to go visit? Um, well, I still haven't been to Japan. I, I think that might be, might be an amazing place to live for a bit. Um, I know the cost of living there is really expensive, but um, for a little while, I think that might be very enjoyable. Mm. Um, I, I had an amazing time in Vietnam, so I understand why Maz is uh, also having a great time there. Mm. And I wouldn't mind, I think, living there for a few, in Hanoi, I think, for a few, a few months. Yeah, she's really making it sound like really good. She's really selling it to me right now. And considering the yeah. sort of state we're in over here, I'm like, maybe right. I should just go. Because she texted me the other day saying, because um, I was like talking to her about our second lockdown here in the UK. <laughs> and she was like, you're joking. I'm in a comedy club right now. No one's wearing a mask. I'm indoors just having a beer. And I was like, God oh, damn it. I, I had no idea that it, it was um, also the case in, in Vietnam. Oh, so is that what it's like for you guys right now? Absolutely, yeah. It's kind of, I feel weird talking about it because it's not really, I'm not, you know, I don't want to upset anybody by saying this, but I'm literally living the most normal life ever. There's no sense of COVID being still in people's mind. I think, no, it's still, it still is in a lot of uh Chinese people's mind, but um, I'd say the Westerners here are just living like normal. You know, you still see a lot of people wearing masks, um, but there are literally no cases of coronavirus in, in Shanghai right now, in China. I mean, in China, no, there are a few regions that are quite at risk, and we've had a few, a couple of cases at the airport, but those are people who, who were handling, you know, goods um, that were contaminated and they, they were traced very, very quickly and uh, the close contacts were put in the isolation, quarantine straight away, any sort of small outbreak. Mm. So, you know, um, <laughs> my daily life, today I went for brunch. Uh, yesterday I had a show, I did a puppet show, improvised, uh, which was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it was just back to normal. Oh God, I'm so jealous. You have no idea. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, that's, why, that's why I don't post anything on Instagram or Facebook. Because yeah. uh, I feel like it's, it must be really, really hard. And to know that, especially a place like China, that, you know, where, where the virus originated from, a lot of people are resentful. Towards, towards Chinese people for having spread the virus? Well, I don't know, actually. I mean, I think it's, it's more resentfulness towards our own governments and the handling of the situation as opposed to, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I suppose it depends on who you ask and, and, and what they think of the situation. But that's, that's mm. where I'm at right now, uh, less so than, like, blaming anyone else. Um, I think it's all <laughs> what's happening here in the UK, especially. It's all internal. Like, that's the problem. It's, it's n nothing external <laughs> at this point. Um, right. I mean, so. I'm trying to grasp the whole idea of, you know, different tiers for... Um, don't, for even, <laughs> don't even. I mean, what a, what a joke. 
the worst thing about it as well is that it's like it's not law they're all guidelines in quotation marks mm. and i'm just like well that just means that one person can do one thing and another person can do another and i'm i'm working in a shop here locally well i haven't been because we've been in lockdown but still mm. it's um it's just so frustrating some people decide to wear masks and some people don't and it's not just the risk of infecting colleagues it's also the other customers and Actually, yeah. do you know what? I'm going to go on a little rant here if I don't stop myself. So I might have to just okay. put a plug in that one. Um, but uh, yeah, it's quite, it's quite frustrating. Um, where, especially, where are you now? Are you in London? No, I'm in Wiltshire. So I'm living with my parents at the moment. Um, and um, I can tell you about that afterwards because I think people on the podcast, okay. if I've got any regular listeners listening, you'll know this it's story. Good. So I'll, I'll save it. Um, <laughs> but. Um, uh, but yeah, for someone like yourself, though, who's like, you've done a bit of traveling, though, and you've been, you know, you've, you've moved around a lot. And whether that's like around in the same city or like even different countries, um, how do you feel knowing that you, you know, you can't go visit, you know, for example, go, go to France or, you know, go anywhere else? Um, well, it's, it's very, you know, very frustrating. Um, Especially since I, I, I lost my grandma um, uh, a couple of days ago. Oh, I'm and, sorry. Uh, they're, they're arranging the funeral and the whole, the whole thing is going to be quite painful for me to know that my, my parents are going through this and I'm not going to be able to be there. Uh, I think that's the main, the main feeling I've got right now is just a lot of frustration um, at like you said, governments <laughs> haven't been able to, to sort it out in time uh, with something that could have been just a couple of months, um, could have been just over. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's frust- uh, like it's, it's, it's mental when you think about it, that a country as big as China is able to handle it, um, you know, through, you know, very harsh measures, but still, um, a country of you know 1.7 billion people, mm. uh, able to bring bring it down to almost uh, zero cases. That's mental. That's that's amazing. Uh, you know, in terms of traveling anywhere else, I don't really, I don't really care right now. Uh, it's obviously sad that I'm not not going to be able to go back to Thailand again in uh, in uh, February. But um, c'est la vie, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm, perspective, I'm, though, I suppose. I'm obviously joking, but I'm, I'm, I'm a bit sad that I'm probably not going to be able to go back um, in July 2021. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I can imagine how frustrating that must be, especially, I mean, how have your, your parents and your family in France been, been doing generally? With everything going on. All right. They, I mean, because they, they live in, in Biritz, um, in like the sort of um, residential areas. So lockdown just means um, staying in, but also like being able to go for, for, for walks and exercising. And um, they've been a bit better this time because it's also, you know, second lockdown over there. Um, they've been a bit better this time in opening up the the area, uh, allowing for more people to 
to walk and, and uh, you know go around the beach and uh, and uh, yeah some people are completely ignoring the lockdown and just you know just living normally mm -hmm. but I think you get a fine or something um, anyway yeah um, they they're doing all right but it's obviously tough when you know someone in your family passes away and you know the the normal stuff that you you just want to do just go and see uh to take care of things i mean um just add adds a layer of complexity which mm. yeah it's kind of tough yeah of course i mean i was um not that anyone in our family's passed away but my grandparents are very very old and my grandma especially she's very ill uh, she's got dementia and they're in spain so having to negotiate their care over like skype and whatsapp has been really stressful yeah. and and my uncle my uncle has managed to go over there um a couple of times this year thankfully to like try and sort it out but it's um it's really quite stressful especially when you have a life like like my family, my whole family, including my dad from when he was a kid, his whole life has been about, you know, he's traveled like all these different places and now family is so spread out. And it's interesting that once your parents, you know, your parents grow older or just even like your family grows older, um, something like this happens and you really take for granted how easy it has been to travel and to visit people and, you know, how much you miss airports, for example, <laughs> things <laughs> like that, you know? Yes. Yes, I, I know. I totally understand. It must have. I mean, it must be. Yeah, really, really stressful. Mm. Yeah. But um, speaking of airports, how do you feel yeah. about them? Do you like them? Uh, <laughs> uh, hate. I hate them. No, really. I I can't stand uh, the whole process of getting to the airport from the moment I, I arrive at the. I get when, when I'm in a taxi. I'm fine. I, I get down and I queue to get my boarding pass and oh, suddenly I'm just like, wish I'd got the fucking train. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm literally like my dad. My dad loves the train. I think it's very convenient here in China as well. Uh, but for, you know, longer distances and obviously to fly to other countries, um, I think Flying is a bit better, <laughs> but um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, making groundbreaking statements here when I'm going to say that the legroom should be a bit, uh, a bit better considering the amount, the price sometimes that you pay. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Very, I, I tend to hate flying, especially when I come back to France. Um, yeah, because that journey is pretty, pretty awful. Because I fly to Hanoi, usually, from Shanghai, so that takes about five hours. And then I'm stuck in that terminal where there's fuck all to eat um, for another six hours, and then I've got a 12 hours flight ahead of me. Mm -hmm. So that's nearly, you know, 24 hours <laughs> flying. Um, yeah, not great. No, that's crazy. I mean, what, what airline do you fly with? So... It's not Air France, is it? No, no, because oh. usually the, no, those flights are like very expensive. 
the direct ones. So I just do, I think it's a uh, China Eastern and then it's air, air Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Cause I was going to say, I can't stand air France. I've just got a, yeah. there's a, there's a special place in hell for air France. I'm sorry if anyone oh. works for air France, but I just, yeah. not for me anymore. Hatred right there. It's pure hatred, Matt. Let what? me tell you. Let me tell you. What do they do? What oh. do they do? Well, listen, listen. When All you're right. a teenager and you're traveling as an unaccompanied minor on many different trips, um, and you're, oh, it's just the people, how they treat you. There's so many times, like, as an unaccompanied minor, I don't know if you've had to do this, but you wear like a little mm -hmm. pouch and it's got your boarding pass in and your, your passport and all that stuff. And instead of just going, oh, hello, how are you? They'd literally just grab mm -hmm. you by the pouch, and just go, where are you going? Okay, follow me. And they'd all be quite rude. And then what else was there? Oh, and then they have their own, um, their own like theme song, which they play on long haul flights. And it's the most annoying, breathy kind of song. And it, I, I've got it in my head right now and I can't even... Yeah, I can't even sing it for you now because it's just so terrible. It's basically like if Air France tried to do a Je t'aime sort of cover, except it's about oh. traveling. So it's very breathy and very sort of, oh, <laughs> it's just terrible. I hated it so much. I never want to go on another Air France flight well, as long as I live, if I can help it. Wow. Okay. I'll remember that if uh, <laughs> there's ever a time when we're flying together. Not, not getting air France. That's for mm. sure. Yeah, God, sorry, that was that was still quite raw there. I wasn't ex quite expecting that reaction, but um, yeah. <laughs> on the soreness. <laughs> um, so when um, are you out of a like, there's usually a scale that people who have like mixed identities and and lots of travelling behind them, um, there's like a scale that they sit on, like a rootless no rooted and restless sort of scale so like rooted being like they want to find that sort of sense of home they want to you know buy mm -hmm. that get on that property ladder or like, like you were saying like you know um settle down and all that or they're mm -hmm. constantly looking for that change that next adventure the next challenge yeah. um where do you think you sit on that scale uh 100 restless um yeah as far from rooted as possible um, I thought this would be my last year in China because usually um, I see things in a cycle of five. Um, I spend five years somewhere and then usually by year five I'm done and I want to see something else and I want to do different things, want to meet new people. Um, so yeah, so I spent, you know, um, three years in France after my French baccalaureate, five years in London, I would have spent the fifth year next year in Shanghai. So I would have been starting to look for uh, new places, new opportunities. So, but realistically with this situation, <laughs> uh, this means that I'm just going to have to spend a bit more time here, which I'm not, you know, not against it. Um, but it just means that I'm doing more things that mean that I have responsibilities here and, you know, I was back to square one kind of, you know, um, didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Um, and I, and I kind of like that, you know, cause I was like, right, let's, let's go and let's do something radically different. And that's when I 
I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I'm very original. Uh, <laughs> getting a TEFL is not all that fucking original, you know. <laughs> but, um, but it led me somewhere, and now I'm, you know, full of desire to explore more and do other things. Mm. Yeah. No, I mean, I think a TEFL is a real gateway into, yeah, experiencing a different country and, and exposing you to all these different opportunities as well, which you've clearly just like lapped up and, and really gone for, which is amazing. I think about it all the time. I, I, I think, you know, it's the little choices you make. Mm-hmm. Have so much influence in, in the rest. It's like a domino effect. But especially here, a meeting with someone, um, you know, the right people, being, being at the right time in the right place is essential and especially here because if you're, if you're not showing yourself out there, then you don't really exist and then no doors will open. Uh, but here it's like, a, it's like a small little village. Everyone knows everyone. You almost certainly, when you meet a new, a new person, you have contacts in common. Um, and it's very easy to sort of uh, find the next connection that will bring you the thing that you're after. Mm-hmm. So is it quite a close knit um, sort of expat community then? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that must be quite nice then for when you first arrived there. Were you sort of, um, you know, did they welcome you with open arms, look after you, make sure you went oh, to the right absolutely. bank, things like that? <laughs> well, that was more uh, my friend Claire. She, she did all, all that all that part. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a huge advantage to have her, you know, cause originally, um, I'm not saying it, it, it's much better now, but back in 2016, you know, to open a bank account, to open, you know, to get a, a phone number, to get internet in your house, to find a house. Um, that was all, that was all pretty, pretty tough. Uh, and the way that she's been able to, to handle it all by herself, I'm very, very admirative um, of her. Yeah, it's not no easy feat, like setting yourself up in a, in a country you know nothing about when you know no one as well. They say that, you know, if you, if you, can, if you can handle China, you can handle anything. <laughs> Is that uh, what they say? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, kind of. Because nothing works the way you expect it to work. Uh, like, life here is full of surprises and odd ways that things work. And just, just you know, um, in, in French we have this word, you know, dépaysement, which means uh, to be totally out of your uh, comfort zone in terms of what you're used to. Uh, um, and to see different things that different countries have. But here, you know, it's kind of, it's pretty brutal. When you get here, uh, it's, it's such, a, such an odd world. And you think that people speak English, but they, they really don't. Uh, just a small percentage of people, you know, is, is speak it. Uh, although it's taught in school, you know, a lot of people will be very shy to speak English to you mm-hmm. or the the people that are, you know, doing the, the service parts of things like people in shops, people in restaurants, forget about speaking English to them. Um, it's very, 
uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite, if you don't speak Chinese, it, it can be sometimes very tough. Mm. So, so, so that's what I like about it as well. It's that mm. it, it sort of forced me to go back to, to, to being humble, you know, mm-hmm. just be, being a humble foreigner in a country where I don't know anything and I've got to learn new things. Mm. I mean, I, I understand that because, I mean, even when um, I went to Berlin a couple of years ago, just for a couple of weeks, and I do have basic German sort of somewhere rattling around in my brain. And, um, but everyone speaks English because, of course, they see you as a tourist. And, and um, yeah, it was, it was, on the one hand, while it was, you know, it was quite handy. On the other hand, I thought, I'm not getting any practice. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not improving or anything. So it's a... Uh, yeah, and it, it just makes it too easy for you, I suppose, in a way. It's good that it's giving you this sort of, you know, you're learning a new skill, a new language, yeah. a very difficult language at that as well. And there's a, there's a thing that people say about uh, foreigners who move to Hong Kong. Um, you know, we, we say that they don't move to the, to, to the real part of China, you know. <laughs> like, that they've got it easy, basically, because everywhere, like everyone there speaks English and that uh, very few foreigners actually speak uh, Cantonese or want to learn Cantonese and uh, like coming here to mainland China is definitely an experience I you know once the borders are open again and it's it's less of a shit show everywhere I strongly encourage people to come and visit give it you know give China a chance (laughs) to prove uh, what it can offer you. I mean, it's it's an amazing place, really, like full of different um, landscapes and uh, different experiences, you know. You can go from the, the desert um, in Inner Mongolia all the way down to, you know, the mountains in Zhejiang province to, um, you know, Tibet and... Um, other places like Hainan where you can literally surf on pristine beaches and you know it's kind of it's kind of wild yeah mm, that sounds amazing I mean a bit of everything in that in, uh, in mm-hmm. the country lovely um I was going to ask as well when you're now that you're I mean you've been there for a while now but um living in Shanghai do you feel obviously you feel very western being there and very very white but also um do you feel your identity sort of do you stick it on like being French or being English or you just have like, do you feel European? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on the person I'm meeting. If, um, let's say if it's an employer, I 100% neglect my French side and will always say that, you know, I'm, I'm a British citizen and that I hold, I have a, British passport and that's that's who I am that's my professional identity mm-hmm. and then I slide in you know the oh yeah I've got a French name because my mum is French and that's how far it goes mm-hmm. but when I'm actually talking to my colleagues and I, I flat out you know I, I flat out say I'm you know, half French half British mm-hmm. and that's that's my identity so do you um, do, do you think being French actually uh you know this girl was was asking me you know wh- wh- where are you from and I, I said well you, you know I'm half French half um 
half British. And she said, but no, 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 no. Where did you grow up? And I said, in France. And so, oh, so you're French. Mm. You know, and I, I kind of feel like that's, that's it, you know. Okay. So Where when... you grow up is kind of your identity in a way. Yeah, I suppose. But if it's been, if it's, you know, been all over the place, then who are you? Well, that's the question you're asking. <laughs> well, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. You hit the nail on the head there, Matt. Yeah. Um, but going back to, you were talking about um, employers. You'd rather say that you're British. Is that because, do you think saying that you're French would hinder your application or your progression? Or Yeah, but it? It, I mean, it's just, you know, based on the fact that they're hiring native speakers to do the job that I'm doing. So it wouldn't make sense for me to, to, to say, Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm French actually. <laughs> this wouldn't sit right. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, play the cards that you have and that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Very successfully as it turns out as well. Yeah, I think that's just, that's just, you know, sheer luck in a way. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah, one lucky guy, one lucky guy. One lucky guy. Um, yeah, sometimes, you know, I think when I'm a bit depressed and when I think, think that things are not going my way, I sort of step back and I look at all the things that I have and I'm, I'm not doing bad. I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah, by, of course you are. You're doing you're doing excellently well, and um, yeah, oh, I'm, you're really selling now Shanghai to me. I'm starting to think maybe maybe I need to go out to Asia at some point as soon as I can. I'm gonna have to do it. I just I just gonna have to do it. Take um, yeah, uh, six months to just see see Asia if you can, and mm. and yeah, that I think. You know, six months is, is enough to, to, to get around and, and see uh, Southeast Asia as well as other countries like China and Japan. And, yeah, I think you'll get a better understanding of how, you know, exciting life can be here. Mm, definitely. Um, I wanted to, as well, just before, like, I round off, I just wanted to share one of my favourite memories of you, Matt, because it's to do with identity. And I remember it was the day of, I'm going to say it, Brexit and I came back oh, yeah. to London and we were both very depressed I think it's fair to say <laughs> very depressed mm -hmm. by the outcome and um, we were trying to organize a <laughs> Brexit party but um, no one else wants to turn up so it was just us two <laughs> and we oh, yeah. you turned up buying and you bought lots of different European things like you bought Peroni beers and we had some hummus and um, Ferrero Rocher's like all these different things and I've got a picture somewhere which with your permission I might share it to the Instagram of you sure. just covered in and all these um I don't know why we wow, had party hats as well either <laughs> I don't know what to expect with that picture it's quite it's quite a gem actually that one but it's one of my favorite memories because I just remember we were sort of lamenting but also we were in it together and it was a really it strange like day it was such a strange day I remember it was yeah I just remember waking up and being sat on the bus and um, just looking at people around me just not really believing what had just happened and I think that's when I started messaging you about doing something the night because uh, <laughs> I was so in shock that 
to me, that was the only thing I could do, just uh, <laughs> console myself with the people around me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. God, it was such a, yeah, it was yeah. a really strange time. But then, I mean, I suppose that might be another reason why you, um, <laughs> you refrain from calling yourself British all the time and mainly just Welsh. Not English, not like just, just Welsh. Yeah, I mean, less, less now, obviously, because, you know, Brexit, you know, it's been a while since Brexit. Mm. And uh, so, I mean, it does cheer me up when I, when I open, you know, um, any sort of uh, n- news website, uh, UK news, and I see something else than COVID on the front page. When I see Brexit, I'm like, oh, well, that's nice. That's a nice change. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I remember when Brexit was the only thing that was on there. I know. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of funny how things change. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, Well, I'll round off then by letting you plug or promote anything you'd like to today. Um, Wow, okay, yeah, I didn't prepare this at all, so I'm just going to riff. Uh, So uh, if you're ever in Shanghai and you want to get down with the improv, um, I'm performing with a, a group called Zmac. Uh, there's also a company, uh, a, a group of people of Zmac, uh, Sh- uh, Shanghai, but also Bangkok, um, and we're hoping to open one in in Paris and London in the next coming years. Uh, they've been amazing to me, and I hope that they can, you know, provide uh, the same the same kind of experience they've they've given me, and and yeah. Cool people, um, awesome atmosphere, and yeah, improv is uh, my new my new lifestyle, I guess. <laughs> That's it. You might have noticed if you've been listening to all these episodes. This is probably the fourth or fifth shout out my friend Maz has got. My friend in Vietnam, I've got to get her on the show because I can't keep speaking on behalf of her experience. That's just silly, Maz. If you're listening, do you want to? Pop on the show. Yeah. Uh, Now back on to Matt. If you want to follow his improv group on Instagram, they are at the Offercast. And then, as he said, you can find them on all the platforms for podcasting. Um, It's called The Offer Original Stories Podcast. Go check it out, guys. And um, please like, rate, review, subscribe, all the things, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. And if you fancy following us on Instagram, we're at floaters underscore podcast. I will get us some more social media at some point, but it's just me, myself and I running the ship right now. And I mean... Not to say that uh, I haven't got the time, but I haven't got the time to do it all. So give me a minute and we'll we'll get there. So uh, there's nothing else left to say other than thank you so much, Mathieu, again for speaking to me. It was so lovely. Thanks to Adora for all your help with graphics. Thanks to Aral for his sound help. Check out his website in the show notes. And thank you to you, dear listener. It's been a pleasure. Until next time. Bye-bye.